Welcome to Ideas Matter, the podcast from the BOI charity that is the home for lectures and discussions from some of the most interesting thinkers on the most important ideas of our time. I'm Jacob Reynolds and I'm today joined by Professor Frank Faraday for a little preview of our upcoming event, The Academy. The Academy, which you'll hear more about in this podcast, is a truly unmissable intellectual feast. It's a weekend of debates and discussions held this year on the 16th and 17th of July at the Wide Boston Lakes Resort in Bedfordshire. And our theme this year is the old roots of the new disorder. For tickets and more information, head to our website, theboi.co.uk forward slash academy. That's theboi.co.uk forward slash academy. This week is the final week for early bird discounted ticket. You can get a day ticket from £55 or you can treat yourself to a whole weekend of lectures with accommodation, really excellent food and the chance of course to carry on the conversation over dinner or in the bar. And tickets with accommodation start from £175 for the whole weekend based on two people sharing. So head to the boi.co.uk slash academy for all of the information and ticket options. But for now, to hear a little bit more about the event, I'm joined by Frank to discuss a few themes that will characterise the event. Many of you will know Professor Faraday from either his books, such as A Hundred Year of Identity Crisis, or How Fear Works, or indeed from his many appearances on TV, radio, and previous events from the BOI charity. Thanks very much for joining me, Frank. Pleasure. So this July, uh, we're really excited for the return of the and the return in person uh, of the Academy. And our theme this year is a really exciting one, I think, the old roots of the new disorder. Uh, Given that there's only one week left for uh, the early bird ticket discounts, I thought it'd be great to uh, bring you on for a quick chat, given that you will be giving uh, the opening lecture at the event about some of the themes that we're going to cover cover both in your lecture and uh, beyond. Now, I hope everyone listening will be somewhat familiar with uh, the event, but in essence, it's a residential weekend of lectures and discussions that tackle a big theme that's relevant to today. We sometimes refer to the event as university as it should be, because we like to think the event is a place for serious, critical thinking where people can gather together and discuss big ideas and great historic uh, books. So... I mean, before we get on to discuss the theme of this year's event, could you perhaps, as someone who's lectured at the event uh, in the past, could you say a little bit about what the event has meant to you intellectually and how it's helped shape and develop uh, your thinking over the years? Well, I think the most important thing about the Academy for me is that unlike when I have discussions in the university or when I do lectures in universities, in the Academy, you don't just simply... uh, explore difficult and interesting ideas and kind of grapple with these problems. But what you also do is you do it in relation to the world that is outside of us, to to what's really happening. It's very, very rare when you get the synthesis of uh, in-depth intellectual discussion with uh, a consideration of what this really means for the people sitting in their room. And one of the things that, I oft, that I've learned through the academy is that if you can somehow bring into focus a problem from both the, uh, in a sense, the contemporary 
sort of uh, imagination that's to do with people's experience of the real world with the wider intellectual academic concerns, you do somehow begin to rethink your ideas. And I've never went away from an academy without having uh, challenged and questioned myself and my previous assumptions and without feeling that actually many of the things that I thought were settled matters were really up for grabs. And to me, the learning process is a very intense one. And almost everybody that I know who's gone to the academy previously feel that somehow a bit of their personality, a bit of their outlook has shifted and changed because of the stimulating uh, environment within which these discussions take place. Yeah, Frank, I think that's uh, very accurate. And you noted the um, stimulating environment and the learning curve of the academy. And obviously, if people go to the, the, the web page, they'll see that there's lots of suggested readings and things for people to get to grips with ahead of the event. But we also obviously say as well that you can just go and learn and then kind of do the reading afterwards. We, we really like to think that people can gain from the event kind of however they approach it. Nonetheless, uh, there are some great books on on the reading list. So I do uh, urge people to uh, go and read them and, and see if they can make something of it. Um, but th this year, to move on to kind of this uh, event, we really wanted to kind of discuss and explore the origins of why life today uh, seems to be or is presented as kind of very chaotic, disordered and unpredictable from the outbreak of war in Europe to the spiraling and ever spiraling cost of living and economic crises or from the legacy of lockdowns and to, or indeed to the way that the culture wars seem to get only ever more uh, intense and uh, intense. And Frank, in uh, one of your recent articles, you suggested that uh, this period and especially since the uh, events in Ukraine might be kind of best understood as something like the return of history. Um, could you tell us a bit about this and how this thesis is going to inform a few of the discussions this year? Well, you know, history has always been there. Uh, and that's always been a, an important factor in, in, uh, in, in our lives. But we have gone through a period, a very long period, which is characterized by a sense of historical amnesia, where uh, the dominant institutions of our culture took the view that we have left the past behind, that the bad old days are distant from where we are. We, we are living in a, a new world. Uh, where the patterns of life are to some extent disconnected from what, what has gone on beforehand. So, you know, as a result of that, as a result of losing the historical sensibility, a lot of people have said that uh, wars no longer happen amongst Western nations. Wars no longer happen in Europe. And we can see that uh, has been called into question in a, in a fundamental kind of a way. Uh, on the battlefields of Ukraine. You know, we were told that we live in an era of globalization where, in a sense, the nation state has become totally irrelevant. And we saw throughout the pandemic that, in fact, vaccine nationalism and competition for public health resources was pretty intense and, and very often ran in parallel with ec economic competition leading, in some cases, to a form of economic war. So one of, one of the things that we, we, we're seeing is that the, four, the unresolved questions of history, which were already in place in the 20th century, even in the early part of the 20th century, 
are coming back, maybe in a new form, maybe in a new kind of a way. But in a sense, you know, we cannot really somehow escape the past. And uh, what we're seeing today is a, a situation where a lot of uh, government and officials and policymakers are, in a sense, catching up with the past, almost are forced to go look backwards because they have left that past behind to the point at which they are stuck in this presentist swamp, which prevents them from grasping uh, the unfolding of the world around them. So in that sense, I think uh, we are living through one of the most interesting uh, and one of the most exciting and potentially also very dangerous era in, in uh, modern times. And that, in a sense, uh, uh, makes it incumbent for us to try to come to terms with this new situation. But the reality is, is that the world we live in is a world not just of change, but also of continuity. And we need to be able to establish a balance between the trends that uh, are continuous, maybe they've acquired a different form in the present, and those uh, more original features of our time. So I would argue that, uh, there is a, that we shouldn't really get into the habit of uh, declaring that somehow a new world has, uh, has, has, has kind of come into being, we've left the past behind, because that's a, that's a kind of uh, form of uh, historical amnesia that doesn't understand the importance of continuity. But at the same time, the, or the challenge that we have is to understand how, the, how you have this fusion of the old and the new. What is the, this kind of original outcome that comes out of the two? And, and if you can do that, then we can go some way towards getting a balanced uh, grasp of the contemporary dynamic. Yeah, thanks, Frank. That's a very helpful uh, way of framing it. And actually dovetails, I mean, quite nicely with one of the things we like to do at the Academy, which is not only just kind of immediately explore, say, as we will do, what this what the new geopolitical order might look like but also take some snapshots from history or literature and trying to and understand them on their own terms but with the hope that maybe they'll kind of tell us a little bit or be able to give us an opportunity to reflect a little bit on the continuity uh, and change since that period and i wanted to just uh ask for your thoughts on a couple of uh, things we've picked from history and uh, literature this time around that i know are, uh, are books and moments that are close to your heart. So, uh, I mean, one of the sections, one of the sessions we're going to have in our in our strand of literature discussions is on uh, Roth's uh, the Rajetsky March, and that's obviously set at a time of huge kind of change and uncertainty. Um, and I wondered if you could just say a little bit about why that book's kind of been important to you and your thinking, and why maybe it's really exciting to read it today. Well, you know, the Rajetsky March takes principally uh, takes place principally in uh, Galicia, which is now part of the Ukraine. Uh, the author, uh, 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 sort of Joseph Roth, was born you know, 50, 60 kilometers from what today is called Lviv, but in the old days was called Lemberg, but it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And the book takes place in the context of the dissolution of that empire. And you can see that as the old kind of gradually wears away and dies out. Something uh, interesting and, and, and uh, potentially tragic is about to unfold. And uh, I got a number of reasons why I'm interested in that book, aside from history, for personal reasons. You know, sort of, uh, I know that when I traveled to the Ukraine in the past and, and more recently, 
you know, there are these layers of history that lay uh, obscure. You know, I was in a, 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 a town called Munkac in Transcarpathia on my way towards Lviv. And it was very interesting for me to uh, sort of see the way in which the Jewish past, the Hungarian past, the Slovakian past, all were there, you know, sort of, but to some extent uh, were not really grasped and understood. And, and uh, in many ways, uh, the, the, the dilemma that Ukraine faces, you know, sort of uh, is quite uh, very much connected to those uh, moments in, in that are kind of discussed in the literature. And uh, I learned a lot from that novel uh, at the level of uh, emotion, at the level of understanding the, the sensibility that you will still find in lurking in the background uh, in, in the uh, context of, of Ukrainian society. So it, it is something that, uh, you know, sometimes literature can make us see things, certain things that give us certain insights that are far more poignant than can be provided by a, a, a merely objective analysis of a particular historical trend or a dynamic. And I think Joseph Roth's novel is really, you know, really, really well worth reading for that particular reason. That idea that literature has something to offer that sometimes can't be captured in just the historical events or in philosophy or things like that is, is definitely something we have uh, kind of held to when thinking about the Academy. And there's, uh, well, I mean, one of the things we got in the history sessions uh, of which, but I mean, people should go and look at the program on, on the website, but one that's obviously close to your heart, but was actually kind of our idea that we really wanted to push uh, this time was a session on the Hungarian uh, revolution, because uh, especially I was uh, reading a little bit about the event and thought that at a time when things are so often presented as either out of our control, or even if they are control, the consequences or the difficulty involved in changing your circumstances is just so overwhelming that it's not worth trying. I thought looking back at the Hungarian revolution is kind of a really interesting antidote to, to, to that idea. And I wondered if, again, you might just say a little bit about the, the importance of that event and why, why it's kind of interesting to think about today. Well, you know, the whole idea of uh, resistance being futile was raised a lot, a lot at the outbreak of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. You know, the idea was that in three days the Ukraine would be defeated, and it was pointless to fight. And similarly, you know, the, uh, at the time of the Hungarian Revolution, it was basically suggested by many, many people that this is just crazy for a small nation to rise up against Russia at the height of the Soviet Empire. And although eventually the revolution was crushed, although it triumphed for a certain period of time, and those were very glorious days. Uh, I was a child living through it. Uh, it, it, you know, it. It was crushed, but contrary to the fatalistic idea that it's worthless or pointless to fight, I would suggest that if that revolution hadn't happened, then many uh, sort of uh, consequential events would also have not occurred because it, you know, that speeded up the whole process of destalinization, that speeded up the process whereby you had the uh, tempering of the Cold War, and eventually, you know, the peaceful, so-called peaceful regime changes that occurred throughout the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, to some extent, uh, were, in a, in a sense, uh, fueled by the recognition that you cannot indefinitely oppress uh, a people uh, just by using tyrannical methods. 
So, yeah, I think it's a very important experience. It's a wonderful essay that, I, that people, if they have a chance, should read, read by Hannah Arendt on the 1956 revolution, which situates that event in a world historical kind of global context. Yeah, great. And great to mention that essay, which yes, I, I recommend our, our listeners go and read. I'll, I'll let you go, I, I think, Frank. I just wanted to note for everyone listening that, I mean, we've spoken a lot, the two of us, about uh, events as informed by the big geopolitical events. But that's not, going, of course, going to be the only thing we're going to be uh, discussing at the Academy is as important as those events are. We're going to have some uh, discussions on uh, more literary figures from James Joyce to Michel Welbeck. Uh, we're also going to look uh, the Battle of Marathon, the kind of pivotal moment in ancient Greek history. We're also going to look uh, a little bit kind of uh, closer to home about the impacts of lockdown and the problem that many people kind of felt was highlighted in the lockdowns of atomization and people's difficulty in overcoming and creating kind of a genuine civil society. So uh, for, for those listening, there's plenty to get your teeth into at the uh, academy and whether as i say you're interested in the geopolitics or the literature or the history we do urge you to to come along i'll say once again this is the the last week for people to get their early bird tickets so i really do uh, urge you to head to the boi.co.uk and you'll be able to get your tickets and everything there but for now uh we'll we will return soon on the podcast but for now uh enjoy and we hope you get your tickets soon You've been listening to Ideas Matter, the podcast from the BOI charity. For more information about the Academy 2022, head to theboi.co.uk forward slash academy. That's theboi.co.uk forward slash academy. At the website, you'll be able to find out all the information you need about different ticket options, which start from £55, all of the lectures that will be taking place at the event, as well as suggestions on reading, both books and articles, that will help get you prepared to discuss the big issues of our time at the event. Now remember, this is the last week for early bird tickets, so head to the website now and get your tickets. We'll see you there.